there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast, the show where a couple of visual storytellers get together to take on various topics that tend to occur when one goes on this adventure of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drozd. I am a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is... Oh, hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger, and uh, I do user experience design, and uh, I like to make video games too. And that's going to be kind of our topic this week. Are we doing a, a video gamey episode of the show? I think so. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about this this tool. I think a lot of folks who listen to the show probably have even more exposure to it than I. But uh, it's it's called Unity. It used to be called Unity 3D, but now it's like Unity for everything. It's mm-hmm. a it, it, it's a pl- it's a huge development toolbox and platform. I mean, you, you could use it for making 2D games, VR, um, general purpose software, uh, any kind of thing that, especially if you want to do some kind of advanced display stuff. It even kind of has this like a 3D, you know, environment creation aspect to it as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a big tool. But like I, what I look at Unity for is um, making games and i think that's it's probably what it's most well known for yeah but especially um 2d games and then recently i was thinking about uh 3d as well so yeah i've got some i have some impressions of unity that uh you know dabbling with it over the years that i think um you know it's one of those things where when you when you are learning something you can have some some insights and fresh perspective and thoughts that that maybe maybe click for people who have used it a long time as well, you know, just getting fresh eyes and fresh thoughts. And that's kind of where I'm at, even though I've dabbled with this thing for like, I don't know, four years or so. <laughs> uh, and and it's just uh, one might wonder, well, if you've used this thing for four years, why are you saying you're a beginner? Well, because I didn't want to use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you yeah. uh, were dragged in, kicking and screaming. Why? Well, I mean, then then why use it? I mean, I sure, surely there's other yeah. options. If right, well, there's analogs in in other creative disciplines, right? You have sort of dominant platforms, and they're strong for a particular reason. It's like either everyone's adopted it, so there's so much thought and use, and there's a great robust community. Unity kind of has that, but they're not the only place in town where you can you can create games i mean i've uh so i built guitar fretter using the uh, corona sdk uh it's solid works great um it's still around and um it's let's see but it that is very much a 2d environment it's like in 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 sort of has its its strengths are the simplicity and whatnot but then if you start caring about um going to additional platforms, going to, um, well, what if you want your game to run on a um, just game console instead of a desktop or a mobile device? All of a sudden, Unity becomes super powered and like a great, uh, a great place to, to take work that you, you know, you built it for one thing and you can get it to another platform. Uh, it's pretty awesome at that. Uh, to and and it's no it's no small feat, right? Because if you you build something using um, like a- Android's native platform, you build something using iOS native pr- platform, or a, a, 
pick a pick a framework, Corona or um, or or web based like Phaser, um, Phaser JS. I've I've used that for a few years, and that's um, and that's actually the the engine that I built um, this Panda needs you uh, with. Pretty great. They address so many different needs and stuff. It's like, oh, I need to put something on the screen. I have to give it the ability to be clicked or touched or interacted with. And then I want things to happen in a certain order. And I want sound effects. And uh, these engines are awesome and great. And, and, and they all can do it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but there's this, like, as soon as, as soon as you say something like, well, now I want to build something that can reach more platforms, uh, your, your options go narrow pretty fast as far as to do that in a robust way that isn't like an undue amount of work where you get to focus on mostly making the thing that you you're excited about making as opposed to um you know hacking and dealing with with environmental quirks and challenges and this thing doesn't compile and there's this error and that error and then you you're diving deep into you know figuring out what's wrong with the platform as opposed to making your game Mm, so okay. uh little by little i mean this is this is the the incredibly powerful gravitational pull that unity has <laughs> where i finally went i'll stop fighting <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't know if that's a good like th- what do you think I, I, do i sound like i'm like i'm a believer or or i'm uh, beleaguered <laughs> or what uh yeah, you, you sound actually. This is why I got excited about you covering this topic this week. Is that you sound very measured. You, you sound like because you came to it very unwillingly, it makes your belief in the tool that much more believable, right? Right? Because like, cause like sometimes you just get so you get excited about something and you haven't really tested it against anything else, right? It's like. Why is that one the best? I just love it, right? I, that's the one that I started using, and that's the one I'm comfortable with, and that's why it's good. Um, there's there's something to be said for somebody who actually like plays around with all the platforms, um, tries out lots of, and, and actually, I think your your approach to thinking about anything makes it more interesting to hear your your uh, reflections on it because I, I know it's going to be well thought through and it's going to be very measured and balanced and. Um, it's going to whatever bias is there is going to be a bias towards making sure that this thing is um, framed properly, <laughs> framed in a way that is useful to people so that they can make an informed choice as to whether or not they want to dive in and start trying it. I, I know that um, my only experience with Unity was I did a workshop with a company called GameStart. Remember those guys, Rob? I think they're still. Oh, operating. yeah. GameStart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, we had uh, what neat. Nate Ashenbach on the on the show a while back. Yes, and we he did. He is from that organization. He is from the yeah, and, and I worked with them to do a program where he and his group uh, taught kids how to build a game in Unity, and I taught the kids how to design characters, and then they took those characters they created and imported them into um, Unity to build a uh, side-scrolling platformer game. It was pretty fun to, to watch them do it. But so I mean, I know that that program is at least accessible enough that it's being used to teach you know as young as nine-year-olds. So, so there's something to it, right? Gotta be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's a it's a big thing, and um, it's it's uh, really powerful. And I suppose we should we should jump in. It has, uh, and so I don't. I think my naive perspective on it. Uh, I, I think. I guess I'm ready to start uh, wandering in there. 
and uh, reacting. There. <laughs> that, that, that didn't do it? It's super funny. What's super funny, I, I can't hear the the, uh, the audio. Oh, really? Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, let me, let me do a quick aside for people who are listening and watching, and they may have noticed, those who are watching, I'm using a different mic. Windows updated this past week on my machine, and when it does that, it, it, it says, hey, let me fix all your sound settings for you. And I go, no, don't do that. And it's like, no, oh, I already did it. Is that great? And I said, oh, now I'm sad because I have to go back and like reset all of my... Uh, sound settings in the control panel and I don't remember how they were set up. I gotta go back and look up notes and everything. So that so I don't I guess if you can't hear the sounds that I'm playing, Rob, then uh the people watching the video can't either. So this will be a um a music free episode. Alright. So now we're doing screen sharing. Rob's got I, I will do my best to try to describe what we see. Uh, uh okay. So that uh yeah i mean I, and i'll i'll do some some of the touring as well I, I look forward to your questions and reactions and all that too as we as we go along um yeah please please jump in along the way jersey Will and do. uh and yeah i mean that's right it's the back and forth you gave me a big endorsement and i feel the same about uh your exploration and questioning as well so um and, and I, i'm glad i'm not doing this alone right because i don't feel like when when i if like let's say i prepare to make a, to do a workshop on this I will have uh, turned every you know nook and cranny and and tightened every bolt and explored this thing to a far greater depth than I than I currently have because I've I've learned it a little bit begrudgingly where it's like well what can I do to apply my current knowledge to this you know to make something happen in this environment um, and I've had I've had a few different game designs and prototypes that I've dabbled on over the years, and and we'll look at some stuff, and we'll look at actually some example, an example from uh, Unity proper, which will lead us to some other good conversation as we as we go. But uh, so yeah, some context of course is is I may use different names. I'll, I'll describe stuff like functionally from my perspective what this is. So um, this isn't really a branded tutorial, and and going to make you um, a Unity wizard because. I certainly am not yet, but I might be. I don't know. I'm, I'm accepting. I'm accepting this kingdom. So, all right. So, what we're looking at is this. Uh, we're looking at a, a couple things. Uh, this the uh, this sort of the scene in Unity, and then sort of the this this thing on the left, which is like a scene graph. We could think of like as a list or a hi- like a hierarchy, and it's a grouping of things. And and a lot of the things you see in there are game objects, and then when I click on the different the different objects, you can see, you know, they highlight, and you're like, well, what uh, what's up with this? Where it's like I, I highlight this one, and it's got this sort of um, a bunch of lines written all over it, and then if I highlight this other thing, it's just a rectangle. Um, okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. What's up with that? Um, as I go along, I'm just going to say I might mention this a couple of times. The keyboard shortcuts of Q W E R are and and then you know let's see T Y all, all the way up to just QWERTY right they are huge to navigate around and then you know doing a combination of of that plus your mouse you know like how this works with like even um, you know Photoshop or Clip Studio Paint you get your you get some keyboard shortcuts but these aren't like fancy combos they're just literally i'm pressing the letter q and now mm-hmm. i got i have the hand tool and i can pan around 
really easy, really easy combining that with the mouse and stuff, right? Okay. Um, or in my case, I'm using this this little um, Apple trackpad thing accessory. But um, okay, so what we're looking at, is, you know, back to these different game objects. Um, so again, in this this scene graph over here. Um, and then in the actual scene, which is like this scene, by the way, you, this is a, we're looking at a 3D window, but it, we happen to be using it in a 2D mode. All right. So if I, if I unclick 2D, oh. look at that. that's okay. the reality. Unity is a 3D engine pretty much always. And like I'm, I'm naively, I don't, I didn't appreciate that much, but, but I also start to um, get excited about the possibilities of, as, as far as being able to do things that are more like Paper Mario. Like, you ever played that game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or like how in Mario 3, you could sort of like go further back into the background by like crouching on white blocks. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Ex- yep, that was fun. So, so you, you, could, uh, you could conceivably build a 2D platform game with, that has sort of extra depth, like literal, literal depth to the background. And you're always dealing with that. So there's always this, like, so in a 2D environment, you may have layers that sort of are dealing with the, the, um, the Z axis. So, okay. You think about this too. Some, some basics will jump around. You've got your, um, your, uh, your, you have ec- your coordinate system, right? Mm-hmm. So where does stuff get placed? And you're, you know, 2D in, you know, dealing with a lot of art or other, other engines that only consider 2D, you have um, X and Y. Where is it, you know, relative to the left or the top or whatever, depending on where your like zero, zero coordinate is. And then as you go up, it, it moves the thing in as far as you changing the numbers. And this you have also have Z if you want, but even in those, those 2D things, you, you have some concept of layers and stuff, but um but maybe not like a great amount of flexibility where in Z actually, um, if we start moving stuff, you're going to get a lot more um, like zoom in, zoom out effect. Mm. Um, and it's all built in. It's, it's what's wild. There's so much, that's so much that's built in. So if, including like these, these little squiggly lines, like I pointed out earlier. So mm-hmm. if I switch my selection tool again, if so, I go from the this navigating one and I hit W, and now I can sort of uh, select and manipulate and move stuff, right? Um, and I can move it just along one axis uh, if by just grabbing, oh, by gra- grabbing the the corresponding arrow that like is centered itself on top of the object, and it locks exactly. it to that axis. Yep. Mm. And this becomes incredibly helpful when, when you're trying to lay things out in, in 3D, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, Anybody who's ever used, like, SketchUp, uh, and, like, you think you just move this thing up a little bit, and then all of a sudden you look at it from another angle, like, oh, I moved it up and back, you know, or, like, moved it up and uh, to the left by more than I intended to. So being able to lock your, your uh, movement axes is great. Um, so if we look... That uh, so there's this 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 little thing that I that I have. It's kind of um, we're kind of looking at, at sort of some some doodled underwatery looking things, right? Um, one of the games I've been dabbling with porting is um, Underwater Tomato Ninja, mm. and I've also been looking at a sequel to that, uh, Ninja versus Tomato King. It's all placeholder names, right? In the end, who knows? It could be you know uh, Teddy Bears versus you know orangutans who knows um <laughs> let's see um but there's this idea of so I've, you've got like a sprite on the screen it's um you know so this 
if we look at this, this one little object highlighted has these things on it over here in the inspectors in the inspector side of the world. And this is revealing more detail about that thing. And so this happens to be a game object with the sprite render. So if I shut that off, all of a sudden the visual goes away. Um, and it's got a, a collider and it has a rigid body. So the um, rigid body, 2D body type, dynamic, what have you. So this, this, um, this combination of the the collider means that it can it can know when it's touched other colliding stuff, right? That's a pretty powerful thing in a game. And then also the um, uh, like I'm just going to run this, and you'll see what happens. Uh, and it's going to bump up against the collider of the other things. Bonk. So that's what this whole. <laughs> thing does. So it, it automatically calculates the physics of that movement just by by yeah. giving it that property. Yeah. So so what, what has, we saw, I mean, for the audio, what we saw is that there's this little tiny sprite that that Rob had above these uh, coral reef looking things, and just by setting the property to collider, and then he like ran it so that it fell, like so like the the object hovering above is now falling. It just bounces along the different edges and then comes to a stop when it hits uh, hits like a sort of like a wall. And automatically calculated that, that the physics of that. That's pretty neat. And uh, yeah, so that that's you'll notice like like so I just move this the small plant and we'll hit run again. Um, and this is one of those powerful things of of okay, Unity's one of Unity's strengths. It's it's a it's a full environment that I didn't have to now go to the command line and and you know type stuff or what. I'm not working separately. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty playfully integrated with my project. One of the things that I really anchored on with with game development was was was, was two different places. Well, one of them is Adobe Flash, and then the other one being uh, well web web browser coding. And uh, this is this is like neither. <laughs> it's a little bit Flash ish, but not really, right? Because Flash, you had the whole timeline and everything. And so, to me, my naive perspective, it's a little bit like um, this living 3D engine that has all this stuff that you could choose to tap into, and um, you know, or just focus on just some tiny slice of it by by saying I'm only going to work 2D or whatever. And it's just kind of kind of wild how much power you have there in in, in the platform. Uh, so let's see. So then we we had a so why does the, the this this rolls like a circle because it has a circle collider, right? So if I I can edit the collider, and now, um, you know, the rock is going to act like it's that big. Um, I can if I go to this this plantish looking coral thing ish thing, and I. Um, I edit the collider. It's it is a um, you know it's this it's a it's a mesh that follows the entire um, the rough outline of the thing. Oh, I see. So instead of it being like a bounding box around it, it actually like it, it, well, it's sort of like text wrap. If you're used to desktop uh, applications for word processing, right? So it, right. it, it builds a, a wrap around the object so that if anything collides with a specific corner or uh, edge of it, and it doesn't have to be like a a square or a circle collider bound. 
and uh, let's see. So then, um, like that little plant had no collider, so mm-hmm. things just passed through it, and and now obviously it should work a little different. Um, so you you know not everything has to participate in the phys- in the physics simulation or in the collisions, and look at that. So now oh, this, wow. the the large circle rock comes to rest somewhere else. There's no coding going on here. We're just adjusting settings. Uh, and that is one of the other things that's wild to get used to. If you're used to explicitly expressing things in sort of some flow of code, it, you, you, Unity has that for you, but it's, you, you get to it a little bit differently. And in, in a, in, in a lot of times it's exposed through um, these components or behaviors, Unity calls them, that you add to, um, you add to a game object. And that just changes its entire, you know, capabilities or nature. Like you, you know, adding sound and input or um, animation, all that stuff. It's it's you do it through the the inspector and and adding, you know, components and behaviors. So, I mean, that's kind of all right. So let, let's open up a more interesting thing. Uh, the other, I don't know, circumstance with Unity is this. Um, you don't have to use the Unity Hub. Um, there's I don't know, maybe with some pros and cons with that, but like this is like a separate app that lets you uh, add and remove versions of the entire environment. So you could pro- you could be running essentially um, any number of versions of Unity that you want or need, which you might have to, and I might have to, by the way, because for instance, I have I have a variety of projects that are all broken for today's demo <laughs> because I. <laughs> To save space, I got rid of an old version of Unity, which is a really, it's trivial here. I, I can just go in the Unity hub to my installs and you know, like, I, you see, I only have one and it's a, it's a fairly recent-ish one. If I click add, um, latest official release, releases is, yeah, uh, 2019 1.11 F1. So if I hit cancel, oh yeah, look at that. That's like one, so one dot it's four versions newer than what I have is, is what's the latest in the world. So it's easy to just add it. Also, by the way, it is, it is, um, unity is free for, um, for small companies. So that's, that's a thing where, um, I think I hesitated in the early years because I was like, I don't know if I want to license it, whatever. I can't remember, but I know somewhere along the way there, they changed their licensing and that became more interesting. But yeah, I mean, I can add, um, old versions of Unity. I can go back to 2017, 2018, what have you, which I might, honestly, to get some of my older game prototypes to work <laughs> again. Because um, it's kind of it's kind of harsh as far, you know, you have this trade-off that can be a treadmill when you're trying to keep up to date with the latest features. And um, and it's something that I, I I did have as a bad habit on on some old projects is is, is jumping into that churn and keeping you know, continually patching my work to make it work in the latest thing, which really isn't necessary. And um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's that constructive. But all right. Um, if I jump well, to my well, project, quick question about the hub, though. Yeah. Um, so you can save prior installs of the software. Can you then open up your old projects and save them to the new standard, or you, do you have to use? You totally can. Um, okay. But then okay. they. They um they may have a lot of broken issues that you need to resolve. Oh, okay. 
so that's the thing. I mean, I can demo that. It's just a little bit of um, not a satisfying thing to watch. You just see lots and lots of errors. <laughs> we don't need <laughs> to show that. Don't but work. Yeah, it's good to know. But yeah. So ooh, that's kind of weird. That the well, I guess I guess there are uh, similarities with like I can think of like in uh, Clip Studio Paint. If you open up old old manga studio files sometimes things will get messed up in terms of like the way the layers were handled in like manga studio 4 versus clip studio paint currently so anyway what do you got on oh, screen yeah now? that you know that that is a good point like tools and platforms do have sort of breaking changes that happen sometimes and some mm-hmm. tools it's infrequent right because mm-hmm. clip studio paint that's that's it's been a while right yeah. Um, and then the the frequency of the updates, and then the amount of cost and churn, and the difficulty that it takes to update the thing can vary too, depending on your project. Mm. Um. So, yeah, because there there are some some pretty big changes historically. So Unity kind of supported JavaScript in the past through th- something they called Unity Script. That's gone. Uh, Unity kind of supported Python in the past. That's gone. Um, it was called Boo. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, which is just a syntax really similar to Python. Uh, and these are, the, I mean, that those those events are part of the journey why I had a lot of hesitance with you know, with with Unity because when you code, which we'll jump into in a little bit, um, you you work in C sharp now and. Uh, whatever everyone's got their own opinions and what have you uh it's not my favorite environment i like uh i like to work in languages that are more scripting and flexible and and look more like the english language mm-hmm. whereas um it uh i feel like my code is more like prose when it's like that when it's when you know c sharp eh, it's just my opinion who cares i mean you code in with anything that gets the job done don't worry about it uh just sharing my my honest uh feelings on the matter they're just feelings all right (laughs) okay and i yeah i'd yeah you got to watch out for an alpha coder you get alpha coders mm -mm. oh i see i see they will not like those opinions so we'll have to follow this up on an extra lean is like how we both have a a habit of going out of our way to not be that guy We both we both have an alpha character in our head someplace that we're like okay just stay stay as far away from that as possible. <laughs> it's, it's totally an anchor point. Yeah. And then to yeah yeah crank up the you know avoidance. Yeah um, yeah. This so, is, yeah. We take very wide steps in that direction, but we're looking at something cool on the screen right now. What are we looking at? Um, okay, this is a demo project that Unity put out pretty recently. Uh. And it's it's called like RPG, right? RPG demo or something. And it's a it's a pretty neat. Um, uh, let's see. I'll, I'll I'll quickly demonstrate it too. Because again, ninety percent of ninety no, pretty much a hundred percent of what you see here is is not me. Uh, I did not create this. Don't want to take credit. All that stuff. So let's see. I need to select uh, unselect something that I can demonstrate later. Um, so when you when you have something in the inspector that you're like, I don't want this to actually run or, or get used, but I don't want to delete it, you can disable it by unchecking it. And mm. so we'll we'll take a look at, at that in a second. But um, so if I run this, you'll notice it like switches from the scene view to the game view. Mm-hmm. Um, can you hear that? 
I All right, there is music. I, okay, so I'm I'm glad you actually. So you can actually pop things out too, and this gets this is pretty handy. Mm. Where I just took sort of the the scene view where it lays stuff out, and all of a sudden you'll see the scene view comes alive, even though it's not the game. So I can I can interact with my stuff in the scene. Oh wow, That's and neat. it affects it live in the game i can change properties on stuff so this is powerful for learning it's a playground to poke and explore really a strength of the tool it's awesome um okay so then if i i'm like i can move my character around doodly do um and here i run into another character who activates a dialogue um and then I need to use the keyboard, not the mouse. Uh, all right, I'm getting getting some directions from this character where to go. And um, you'll see little interesting things here. So watch this. I'm walking in front of the tree, and it's solid. Wow. Um, something something's amiss here as far as the input but it's probably oh i know why because i changed some code so i kind of broke the demo a little bit so because my character is just like will not stop walking can't stop and won't stop <laughs> but with the tree look at you see how what happens to the tree mm-hmm. yeah it, it becomes it. slightly transparent when he walks behind it yeah pretty cool so here i am walking around this world and uh i can go back again to the um, the scene view, and you see all this stuff happening. And like, this is the like a an area, a level of a game that is fully composed and running and is is alive, right? It's like a I don't know, a, a, in a way, kind of like a living, breathing dollhouse or or sandbox. And um, let's see here. I'll hit stop on there. Um. And then things kind of go back, go back to the way they were before the game was run. That, that that that's some very immediate feedback on what you're composing and doing in the game design. Is you're, if you're watching like how it affects the characters are actually you know active in it, um, as opposed to having to be like, okay, I made some changes now, hit run and see what it looks like, right? Which is what you were doing before. Um, that's really yeah. That's, it, it's yeah this instant like you can figure out problems mm-hmm. like what might be needing to get fixed or or adjusted or what have you uh let's see i'm gonna pop this scene back into the the tab order here and um then so there's something that i was i was playing with so i uh, these, these game demos are awesome. Unity has actual like training and all sorts of stuff you can study along with these. They had they released three, I think, right around the same time this year. There's a there's an RPG. There's a uh, first person shooter, which is not violently themed. It's like you're you're some kind of um, you're you're a miniaturized um, scientist inside of a creature getting rid of germs, something like that. Hmm. So. Uh, that's a fun playground, and then they have a puzzle game too. That's um, and all three of them you know, demonstrate interesting different things, and they're all kind of quirky and 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 need need adjustment. That it just invites you to sort of get in and, and get experience playing and trying to fix things, and they're just really well designed. Because one of the things that can be super intimidating, you launch Unity with nothing, and it's it's 
it's staring into a void. It's like worse than a blank sheet of paper to me. Yeah. Because especially you, you scratch the surface, you're like, oh my gosh, it's the 3D engine. Oh my gosh, I can do so many things. Where do I start? And then um, the community has gone lots of different ways. So you, hopefully you can you, you, there, you find some sources like uh, I, I, I bought a class a couple of years back that got, I, gave me some traction with Unity from uh, the, the Udemy platform. It's a place where you can, you know, buy workshops and study stuff. And, but of course, I mean, there's, there's free YouTube videos, tons and tons of stuff out there. Oh yeah. And one awesome uh, cheat sheet I wanted to mention too is on, uh, it's, it's on the Ray Wenderlich site and it's just a Unity cheat sheet, quick reference, some neat things for once you start getting into co- the code and stuff or what. So we might revisit this cheat sheet in a second. Okay. Um, and but but then it also of course it does have the keyboard the hotkey overview right, and which is the the Q W E R T thing. Mm. Again, they, that is your friend. Such a big deal to uh, get comfortable switching between the tools because if you every time you go all the way up there with your mouse and you click in the upper left corner, you know, it's it's not very playful and, and experimental. Uh, with a nice feedback loop, whereas if you're just hitting the keys, you're 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 in, you're not having to jump out of your sandbox. So, mm. um, so what did I uncheck earlier? Um, I un- I unchecked this this path follower script, and so this was when I, I thought to myself, how do I get this character to just start wandering around, right? Um, I want you know this character like. This, a funny coincidence how the, the character is sort of um, being covered up by the camera here too. I didn't point this out. So scenes have, have a camera. Okay. And um, that this is how, like, when we start the game, you're not zoomed all the way out. Uh, you I see. are inside that little rectangle. Yeah, there's a bounding box that's defined on the on the the map that we're looking at, and that shows you like what the screen is going to be filled with. It's going to be filled with just this area. Got it. And the camera yes. is in the center of that box, the camera icon. So, and I should be able to adjust the camera by just shrinking that box. And I think I just made it. So, think about how different games feel when you're really up in mm-hmm. uh, like close zoom on the character. Oh, that didn't really affect the zoom at all. There's there must be other behaviors on the on the camera here, which um, which we can just change while the game is running. Um, no big deal. So, wow. size. What if we go two? No, nope, that didn't do it. Clipping planes. Da, da, da. All right. So then, so now I would need to research like where, how would I get this camera to be more zoomed in? Main camera. What if I change the scale? Um, there we go. Oh, wow. Um, I squished it. There so we go. I just changed the X and Y scale there by half. And so now that zoomed it in. Yep. And this, right. this this little this little guy that we're looking at is kind of doing this weird little dance back and forth. Yeah, because of the experimental script I, I script I added. So let me. So if I just double click this thing, this should launch my code editor, which the code editor editor I associated with um, Unity is um, Microsoft Code. 
or Visual Studio Code, which is um, sort of a um, gosh, I'm forgetting some of its competitors, but there's there are like oh yeah, Atom A T O M by I think Git puts that out, or no GitHub, um, and and a, a few others things like sub um, Sublime Text, right? Um, so yeah, Sublime Text, and they are all essentially text editors of a sort with the ability to make them good at other tasks as well. And Visual Studio Code is is a little bit, it's a lightweight coding development environment that lets you do things like it, it, it's um, when, when, a, when a text editor, editor goes beyond this color syntax highlighting and it starts to give you features like you can do, um, you can put a break, put in breakpoints and start debugging and stepping through code while it's running. Now it's becoming like a more, into, you know, they call it an IDE, an integrated development environment. And um, it's, so this is like a lightweight IDE. I like it. It's free. And um, it's, it, uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's why it launched is because I associated that. And um, uh, so this thing now, now we're outside Unity, but not too far. So, so this this little script, Path Follower, this is something that I um, I did some research about. How do I get some? How do I get a character to follow a path? And then I found a um, uh, a little tutorial. Where did I find this? No, I don't have it pulled up. But uh, but someone posted some code, and this is eighty. This is like ninety two percent what what they what they had. Um, and you'll notice, like, well, there's sections of the code. There's this part up here called using. Uh, so we're we are using different um, libraries to uh, to make this functionality happen in here. So so that's where. Um, so we're. And I don't know if like are we using system collections? Um, I don't think I'm using a collection. So if I delete that and hit save there shouldn't be anything that breaks. And what's funny is like, I just hit save and this is where we're still connected with this. Oh, oh. okay. So this is normalized was, was part of um, the, the, the collections there. So if I, so I, I hit undo, I'll hit save and essentially the code just compiles in the background. Right. Wow. Um, and then let's see. Let's see. Clear. I'll do clear on build too. So, all right. Doodly do. My little console. My console is where. So here's. Oh yeah. Here's another piece of the UI we didn't really talk about. So you've got your project, and um, this is like the files in your, um, in your entire game. So. If you have anything from from preset up art, animation, sound, uh, then you're of course your scripts and what have you. This is a well organized project. One of the reasons to like get something that's current and made from Unity, it's like they're going to bake in all sorts of um, smart choices and practices that that are are good to be inf- influenced by. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're you know the, you'll have your assets folder that. Um, is is where you'll typically put all all your different stuff, and what's interesting is is then 
we'll get into this a bit later, when you use assets from the um, the Unity Asset Store in its world, and not everything's paid in the Asset Store. That's, they distribute their free stuff there too. Um, this is where it pops up. And some something that's nicely organized, like the Creator Kit, it's all in its own subfolder and it has its own folders for all the different things, you know, within. But if I was then customizing and making my own game, I would probably organize outside that folder, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, food for thought with that stuff. But um, yeah, your project, this is, uh, so yeah, if, if, let's see, if we just do a filter for all scripts, we can easily jump to that. So we can see the script, you know, on its own here, or we can see, um, uh, where is it? Path follower. Doodly do. Yep. Just hanging out right there. It's one of the scripts. And uh, then, of course, you know, we can get to it by, like we did earlier, by just clicking on it in context on the on the sort of the game object that was using it. Anyway, so now, you know, on this script, there's a whole lot of stuff that you might think, well, what is it? Okay. So I've just pointed out there's this, you know, so what are we using? What? It, so this is, this is, um, Intro, basic introduction to um, object-oriented coding, right? Then you have a lot of stuff. So instead of in, in something like Python, I might just say, you know, path follower. And is, uh, but I, I don't have to typically, I don't have, well, I don't have to use all these other distinctions and, and types and stuff uh, for the most part. And, but here we go. We have a public, class that means it's available for the rest of the world to use this and it's a class meaning it's or it's organizes uh behavior and data and it's called path follower and it's of this type mono behavior anyway so now there's these these very these in in the first part of the class there's these variables and notice that that this one says public and it's it it is a um uh, forget what Unity calls it, but it's an array or a list, right? So it's it's a game, it's a list of game objects, right? So everything's got a type, right? So we, that's that's the thing with this this style of programming, it's it's uh, the game object list, and uh, its name is path node. So then, uh, no wait, game public game object list called yeah path. Yeah, there we go, path node. So check this out, right? So because it's public, um, it's actually, this is where the Unity gets you into the visual environment as much as possible. Um, so again, we're on this, the little path follower, uh, the behavior script that, that was added to, if I scroll up, the character game object, and there's a path, there's a there's a list of path nodes. We can give it a size, and all of a sudden there's these these elements appear. So I let's let's um, let's change this to one and tab out of it. Now there's only one, the list is only one long. If we t- change to zero, there's no list available. If we change it to ten, there's going to be ten elements available. And so that's that's the I'm I'm putting values into. Um, I'm putting values in that that the script is going to use, right? So the script is going to consume that. So that so if we look at well, what do what does path node mean? Um, 
it's it gets used later on to sort of get so the whole idea the goal with this is to you know, it's a path follower right so what how how is the path formed? The path is formed by these nodes. These nodes are each game objects, whatever. Okay, so I have these three game objects, right? And see, they don't have anything visual about them. So I, if I hit W so I can start moving stuff around here, I'm going to put this this path node way over here. Oh, um, I see. And then and you so can... this is just an invisible game object. And your, your, your character is going to walk toward them as yeah. once you run it. I got it. Okay. Exactly. All right. So if we go back to the character, we're like, oh, we changed this too much. And we have our, we only have three. So I'm going to change this back to three. Um, but there's, they're not, uh, what, what in the world? There's, they're blank, right? It says none. Ah, here's where we get some trickery with how we click my, click the mouse and stuff. <laughs> so I need to click and not let go of the mouse. Um, and then I can drag a game object into there. Boom. I just gave a value to that's going to be consumed by the script. Right. Oh, wow. So I did. So, yeah. And in other words, the, 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 the control panel window is saying like, there's n- I, I don't see it. It's not there. And you let, went into the game environment, dragged the object into that, uh, that control panel and said, it's right here. Basically yeah. what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. This is reminding me of that Eddie Izzard joke when he's talking about not being able to print from his Mac, and he's like, he says, cannot find printer, and he's like, it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so what is going to happen here? So now let's look at this as a, almost like a checklist or, or a summary of, of like, okay, so now we've, we've got these variables up here, but now we've got um, methods or functions or however you want to call it as far as um, like little pieces of code that are available because of their names that can get called and, and used. So then um, check this out. There are, there's a pattern in unity behaviors that um, of, you know, what, uh, so this, this, this function start who calls start. So if I search for the start, um, you know, I don't see that function getting called, but it gets called. Um, check node, you know, that gets checked regularly. But how how is it getting how is it getting invoked at some point? Oh, there's this update thing. Well, who's calling update? Nobody. Wait. So what happens here? There's this pattern toward for Unity behaviors where they have this list of functions that gets run, and that's this is a nice cheat sheet thing. And I'll, I'll try to find pretty quick here. So check it out. This is the mono behavior event execution order. So again, hey, look at this path follower is type of mono behavior. All right. Um, what happens here? So awake gets called once when the object is first loaded, right? Um, if, if you want to, if maybe in your code, you're enabling and disabling stuff all the time. Uh, like maybe, maybe it's the, you have a behavior that is about a character when they are under stress, right? And so if you're, uh, if the character's, uh, under stress behavior is enabled, all of a sudden it starts acting in a way that that code tells it to act, right? Mm -hmm. And then when it's, uh, and then it's, you know, then anyway, so there's these event like uh, on enable that gets called at a particular time. Start 
gets called at a particular time. So, we, hey, start, right? Look at this. Boom, start is right here. So um, start, check node sort of gets things ready, right? Nice. So we need to call check node once on start. All right, all right. Uh, update. This gets called every animation frame. So this is where you're in a living game engine that's 3D, crazy powerful, and that's in and and that's one of the the sort of uh, like a game heartbeat happens, right? And there's a loop. There's a loop that happens when you um, you you deal with you have input and what is your simulation in the game going to do with that input? Um, and so you gotta you you manage that and what and so you do this frequently. Maybe every animation frame, maybe not every animation frame. And so, you know, there's something like that, that heartbeat of update lets you run and get your game to be this living thing, right? Now, maybe you have parts, things that need to happen just in more specific uh, timings related to the other. Think of your, your game flow as this big checklist of stuff. And maybe some of the things on the checklist you want to have all the time or guaranteed and other things not as much, right? Anyway, so you have this list of 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 um that you just can plug into. You know, it's like if you if you care about um let's see, doodle do on application paused. So you want to deal with with um you want to deal with a pause, you want to deal with uh the disable or enable, you just add that as a function. And so Unity wires that up for you, right? Boom. Now all of a sudden you're handling that. Um, like we don't have to have a start, but we, but we do. And because it's there, unity is going to do what it, you know, what happens and just once. So this gets started and, and then, then this gets called, you know, more than once gets called like every animation frame. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that that's that's bringing this to life and so here we you know we, we can go into the details as far as what the code is doing um we're trying to essentially understand where the character should be over time based on where they are now and where we're trying to get them to go right um and so th- this is a uh this code is buggy I need to make it more forgiving or whatever because we notice what the behavior does. So the idea is roughly um, if you if the position that the character is currently at isn't the one that we're we're targeting at the moment, uh, well, keep moving toward it. And if then if it then of course the opposite case was if it is, and then if there's still more pads on the node, we'll get the next, get the next node and keep rolling. Okay. Um, and then we have a little, little debug going on right there. So I can comment that out, but debugs are, I'll leave it there and you'll see where, where it happens. So with this stuff in mind, let's run this again. Dooley do takes a second to compile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Assuming we didn't, I didn't break anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. No, I just, I clicked oh, on console, uh. so the debug stuff will appear in console. We got the little spinny beach ball. We know something's happening. <laughs> All right, here we go. Character is so that it never n- thinks it needs to go to the next node, so it's going to the first node and just 
never quite there, right? Got it, got it. So okay. I need to make that comparison more forgiving because it's a zip, zip, zipping around. So I need it. I need to make that so if it's more approximately close enough to the to the node, move on to the next node. So, but that's that's a neat script. Yeah, that that's a. I mean, it, you demonstrated the idea, um, and right. that's really cool. How for for somebody who's a visual thinker like me. It that seems a lot more intuitive to just to be like, okay, plant these flags, essentially these invisible flags on the landscape, and have the character move between them uh, at regular intervals to create this, a, a feeling of natural movement in the game. Um, yeah, that, that's that is really cool, and especially if you think, well, if you're not making a game by yourself, maybe you have someone on your team who is, you know, more amenable to doing the the behavior coding, right? Mm-hmm. And then then that just for you appears like let's see so if i click on this other character this this npc and i can just i can add that path follower oh yeah it's already have it typed here so path follower i can just go boop guess who's a path follower now this Ah, character too nice and we know it's broken after um (laughs) one so let's just go ahead and grab um Grab! Ha ha! I did it again. I I lift. I lifted up my mouse finger. <laughs> All right. So I need to grab this game object. Don't lift up. Drag over and say, "Ha ha! You're element zero. And then now we should have Pathfinder working for us as a behavior on two different game objects. And it's just going to take a little bit to compile. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's see what happens. It's still pretty snappy, considering. Oh. What? Oh. Our little dude is moving so on. I, uh, huh. Well, all right. Well, here's where I can do it. <laughs> well, that didn't work like I expected. Oh, no reference exception. We have an error. So object reference is not sent to an instance of that. Okay. So then I can double click on this error and it will go to that line. So I am getting the reference to the character in a way that isn't compatible with the NPC. So now I would have to, I would have to change how I do this right now. It's, um, it has this assumption based on, uh, let's see. So if I look for, so when this, so awake, awake is one, one of our, you know, one of our, um, events we can just tap into just by naming a, um, naming a function like that. Um, and so character, this is getting character, get component, character controller, 2d, um, I let's see if uh, character uh, is null, then let's do something else. So here's where I, I would try to do this differently. So character could be um, game object dot find. Okay, no, that's going to be different things. So if right now character, here's the fun of type languages. So character is a specific type. It's character controller 2D, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where the NPC doesn't have a character controller 2D, right? On okay. it. And the player character does. So I would need to come up with a different strategy to do this and to make it compatible with both types of game objects. Anyway, there's a yeah. little bit of <laughs> real-world debugging, thinking through... Um, <laughs> And and then I would be like, oh shoot! Like I, I need to re, I need to change my my approach here and and uh, find something that would work with both. Hmm. Okay. 
So well, this this is this is a. a Despite it being very, it looks very intuitive. There's also like in the, the the coding part, I'm still seeing some wizardry happening in front of me. Um, so, do you want to take a break and then come back to uh, a line from your notes about Unity? And uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then we'll we'll dig even a little bit deeper. Um, but first, and, and I'm sorry for the folks who are watching on YouTube. You're not going to be able to hear the the ad spot music, but you will in the actual recording. So that makes uh, both both versions of the of the show are like a little less this this week. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a minute to thank some people who make this show possible, and those people happen to be the folks who support us on Patreon. Yes, Patreon.com/slash/LeonardsArt is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in Robin Jersey, you believe in what we do. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And I want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that. First up, Brandon Dayton. Thank you, Brandon, for supporting us. Longtime friend of the show. You can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Dayton. Also, uh, Tim F. Thank you, Tim, for supporting the show. And Gail Bushman. Thank you, Gail. Uh, I believe you can find Gail on Instagram at Nightingale Art. And also, Alexander Steenhorst. Is this a, I haven't seen Alexander's name in a while. Uh, is he a new uh, supporter or just not gotten into the mix uh with the random generator but either way thank you alexander for supporting us on the show and uh jodels pox you can find jodels on twitter at j bomb artist and you can join them at patreon.com slash lean into art where you'll find all the shows we make as well as the extra leans the shows we record only for people who support us on patreon look at this 134 episodes in there you can join for a dollar a month you can listen to them all uh and they are often just Rob and me riffing live and uh, discovering a topic along the way. And we've done this 134 times. It's hard to believe, Rob. Uh, once again, thanks to everybody <laughs> who supports us at patreon.com slash lean into art. It means a lot to us. Really does. Thank you so much. So, so, so okay. Uh, how about I'm going to play another transition music that you won't hear. Um, but folks who are listening in the audio will get a little bit of a, a cue that we're in another section now. Okay. So what are we, what are we doing now? Ah, uh, um, okay. So this is, uh, so I'm curious, like of, of what you've seen so far, like you, you've shared some reactions and whatnot. Uh, there's, uh, it, it seems like the visualness of the, the main environment has it it's it it seems intuitive to you um mm -hmm. is i find that amazing because <laughs> really? i didn't find i didn't find this intuitive uh no i'm checking no i still don't find it intuitive <laughs> it, it's 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 a very visual interface and i was thinking about it as you were doing the demo um i was remembering when I was first learning HTML, oh gosh, like in like 2000, 2001, and uh, somebody pointed me at Dreamweaver, right? Uh, which was, it was Macromedia wow. back then, right? And yeah. I remember it being, it it was like, a, as somebody who was using Quark Express and Adobe Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator, like these very visually oriented design tools to suddenly be presented with a, a visual way to think about laying out a web page, it was like, oh, of course, this this is so much better than like typing out lines and lines of text and then like, you know, loading it into a web browser to see if it worked. 
Um, but the thing that I remember uh, is I, I what was that? It was webmonkey.com was the website that I was using back then. Do you remember that website? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I found it on Lycos. <laughs> 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 that's that's some time travel. Oh. <laughs> wow. Netscape Navigator. Um but yeah, WebMonkey was Are you was... making a Stranger Things about web dev? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of conjuring that feeling in my head right now. Yeah, like um but I remember be participating in some forums or rather just like you know reading forums about uh HTML design and there was this very strong uh, resistance to uh, Dreamweaver. People were saying, don't use Dreamweaver. It makes bad code. It makes really junky, inelegant uh, HTML code of your website. And, and when things break, you won't know how to fix it because you don't know how to, to to code. So I remember like learning all of that code anyway, just because I, I, that, scared, that, that put the fear in me. of like, I don't want my website to break and not be able to fix it. Um, but... Uh, I wonder if is there any risk of that? Like, is 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 Unity because it's creating this like what makes it very attractive interface to somebody like me who thinks very visually? Does, is is there a cost in terms of it's going to be harder for me to understand how to fix when things go wonky? Like with what happened with the the, the Pathfinder script? Uh, ye, is it? Is it? Is it? Um. So yeah, you, you're asking a fantastic question. Like this line of thinking of, in, in a way, it, am I um, out of arm's reach out of being able to really, you know, control and affect and manage my project? And if things change in the world, like what if I wanted to move this to? Um, oh gosh, one of the one of the other um, environments, and it's just totally escaping me right now. But it's um, it's like oh, like Game Maker or something, right? Can I do that? Um, or, or hey, what if I well, I want to port this to JavaScript or or Lua, and you know I've I I think I can make this game work somewhere else because it's compatible enough. It's two D, whatever. Um, or uh, or I imagine another apt one would be, well, because um, you know the kind of like the 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 heavyweight, the big the big players as far as this kind of game engine would be um, uh, Unreal in in Unity. So I think I want to port to Unreal. How do I do that, right? Because there's all this sort of stuff that defines what this game is that it's not in a place that I can access easily. That I know what's funny, this is a place where I'm super naive. Is there a way, is there like sort of behind the scenes definition files that that take care of all this and they could be delved into and used somehow to help uh, migrate, right? Whereas if your if your game is all images, sound, code, you know maybe some configuration files, it's a lot of work. But you you know if you're creating a game in an environment that works in that way, uh, it's more portable. To an, you know to some ways you probably still are though like like more portable with like a lot of asterisks and. It's because no matter what, moving something to a different platform will take a ton of work. There's ideas and assumptions everywhere that you're building with, and they will run into conflicts in the next platform. So, so I don't know. Like, if you can really ice, um, like, 
create your create a safety net there um, with with any tool set. But um, but you're right. It's an awesome thing to think of. Um, and but as far as the the quality aspect, uh, I don't think that's really a concern with Unity. It's like this is um it's a dedicated, super well funded tool and team and community making stuff better all the time. So like so like the idea of like poor performance and you know like that's its that's its heart. And as far as this thing performs well on a lot of platforms give us your money, right? That's what they do. Um, yeah. And so, so it has a little bit of that like portability challenge, but not really the performance aspect. Okay. Well, that, that, that that's what we do on this show is we evaluate trade-offs when we're making choices about tools. So, and it looked like, it looked to me like uh, this, the, the coding sort of, what was it? The vocabulary that they use is pretty straightforward and looks looks easy enough to learn. Um, like when you're going through like sort of the definitions of like here's the different kinds of events and classes and um, you know object assignment language that this mm-hmm. this I don't know if I'm using the right language myself, but what what I perceived you were doing on the screen was like okay, there's you need to know these words. Here's a cheat cheat sheet to know these words so that you can assign events to these things and there was uh, you're doing some if then uh, uh coding inside of there so if then and else which we've talked about on the show it's been a while but we've talked about this before mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward kind of kind of logic yeah i mean you have the idea of um of comparisons and so mm-hmm. you, have, you have you have booleans and then you control the flow as far as uh and with, with with yeah with conditionals and then then uh if and else and, and then variables and then loops and, and there's just a lot there what's funny is you're you're not having to manage a lot of your own loops because you're you inherently being part of that world of unity you're in particular loops or specific uh subscriptions to events right just by so like you can get so far without have, having to create your own like game engine plumbing right it's like game engine plumbing is a great place to learn a lot of different powerful concepts but it's also like an abyss where you'll like uh it's it's hard to make the plumbing and finish the game both especially the, depending on your the size of your team and and available availability uh, capacity, um, but but here this plumbing of the, just the idea that on a particular event, uh, gosh, there's a there's another um, another object I probably should share on my screen again that uh, like like how the tree works is so elegant. Let me I will actually share my screen. Okay. Uh, beep, 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 doop. All right. Share screen. Okay. So. So like let's go let's select this this tree object and all of a sudden hey wait a minute we see um <clears throat> see a couple things on this tree there's a there's a round collider and then a rectangular collider cool cool now um so yep so there's a circle collider I can click that and edit it I can there's a box collider yeah it's pretty neat now there's also this little script like I pointed out the behavior of how the the tree would just sort of like alpha fade out right mm-hmm. um, when the character passed behind it so I just double click that script boom my code editor launches 
lots of conveniences. I, you know, not going to throw a parade for unity, but it is really nice. I mean, I, I like it. I respect it. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, okay. So here we are. We have this, um, this, by the way, is like, this is like, I've known Rob for a long time. This is like as close to grumpy as he ever gets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> Very kind. Uh, so public class fading sprite, instance tracker fading sprite. Fascinating. So I don't, yeah, this is a new thing. Like I haven't made something of this kind of um, built in this way before. But I know fading sprite is an available behavior script. So it has a sprite renderer and then it has... So if I look over here, though, I don't see that available. So this is internal, right? So these variables aren't being advertised out here to be messed with back in the, the UI. That's just inside here. So then now you're like, you could... Well, I don't see an awake. I don't see a... No, I okay, there's an awake. So sprite renderer equals get component sprite render. Um, that's cool. So then that means this is available to use. Fascinating. Target alpha. I wonder how. Yeah. So this is there's some funkiness going on behind the scenes here that I I need to dig into like as far as exactly how it's working, but like it's getting triggered just by this on trigger enter two D on trigger exit two D. And that's just by naming something, a little chunk of code can now um, activate. So the so Unity deals with floating point numbers. I imagine it's for precision, right? And so you end up needing to write. So it's not just, I'll oh, write this, you know, this decimal. You also have to add an F for something that's a type of a float. Little things, you get used to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so target alpha, instead of one, it's 0.5. When this object enters and it's when it exits, it goes back to one full, you know, it's not faded out anymore. Yeah. Full opacity. Yeah. Thank you. So that is, uh, I don't, that's, that's really powerful. We're all of a sudden like fading Sprite. You can just add this to, to anything now. Um, and there's not like this, all this plumbing, like thing I was talking about, you didn't have to sort of wire up an event with particular specific objects and all that. Unity does it where they're like, there are events because of colliders, right? Mm-hmm. And so the collider is going to throw that event. I and see. I see. So like the collider uh, this, sort of bounding area that you have drawn on there is to, it, it's not just, it doesn't just create physics events, like in terms of when you had that that little uh, rock object bounce off of that mm-hmm. coral reef. It can also be like when the collider is entered by another character, make this behavior happen. So if you had like an animation of a bird that flies out of the tree, that would be activated upon making contact with the tree. Right. Instead mm-hmm. of it being like a physical event of like I, you bump off the tree, any any variety of things can happen upon contact with the collider shape. Yeah, ex- exactly. And which is powerful. So you didn't have to write any of that plumbing about the concept of colliding or whatever. You just like, mm-hmm. you know, that that collision is available because of this engine. So um, and I care to do something when when it, it when the collision starts and when the collision's done. Right. That's pretty powerful. And an example of like, you know, we didn't have to write that plumbing. So, um, 
where what else do we want to cover here i think well i wonder if we we've talked about a a lot of the things and you had a list of vocabulary to potentially go over yeah Um, and i think we hit a lot of it right so the the event loop that's that that's our you know this is it's phrased differently here but like the flow of when these when these functions are called and then you just get to have your code happen. Um, that's that's kind of the the event loop, and then uh, the the different kind. Con- we didn't do a two like a three D example. I could load a three D project. Um, the idea of um, let's see. So there and there's just there, like these this this vocabulary is like a quick list of some things that like you can get so far with with only learning just a little bit, right? Uh, like the idea of a vector, that vectors store position information, and it's it's a very um, uh, powerful thing. Unity has a lot of ability to compare vectors and stuff b- baked in, right? So it's not that, not that you have to um, create yourself the idea of a scene. So like games are often made of multiple scenes, right? So we happen to be looking at, uh, you know, in this project, there is only this scene, Um which is yeah the sample scene, but you we could create or clone this scene to be something else. Oh my gosh, prefabs! I forgot to to mention prefabs. So then let's look at um, when there's something that's blue. Look at how many trees there are in this thing, right? <laughs> there's so many trees. Oh my gosh! Out. Yeah, that's a lot of trees. If I zoom out, I start just highlighting these trees at random. Uh, you, yeah, they're all over the place, and but they are all based on a uh, a canonical tree. So like this, this is uh, based on a prefab, and that's this is where you know maybe if you remember the days of Flash, you could create movie clips, and then you know so you kind of had this reusable object, right? Yeah, it becomes like an, an asset that that uh, it the, um, the the what made them valuable was that the program didn't have to load up each instance. It loaded up the asset once and then just populated it throughout your project. So, so this- I'm going to change the shape of the tree a bit. I'm just okay. going to do it. So I'm going to give it a Y scale of 1.5. Okay, and then go back into our scene. Scenes have been modified. Save. Whoops, I went to the wrong scene because, of course, I need to be in the demo group of folders, prefabs, scenes, um, boop, boop, jump in the sample scene. Now, look at, yeah. all, look at that. All the trees based on that prefab are <laughs> are scaled in, in, a, in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, this became that's all trees. It. We, we we that changed one prefab, and we could have literally changed the art to a palm tree if you know we had that in our in our assets. Um, so pretty interesting here. Sample scene open. Um, all right, that um, that so yeah, the idea of prefab. So if if you make a thing, um, like oh, for instance, we have these these uh, position objects. Let's let's say I I, I want this to be like. Um, rename uh, position position thing and then uh, let's call it 
Uh, I want this to look a little different. So if I can give it an icon, so it's easier to find, right? So it's an invisible, um, it's an invisible game object, but I've given it um, a a little uh, select icon, right? So uh, maybe I could change that to a little green diamond. All right, that mm. that's that's handy. So now the position thing just exists once in this scene in Unity, but then uh, I can just in, in whatever folder I want, I can drag this and now put it, now it becomes an asset that is a um, um, a prefab, right? I see. So now you've made your invisible objects. If you ever want to you can use this invisible object as many times as you want, and it'll always have that green diamond on it to make it easy to spot. Mm-hmm. So you don't have or to memorize it there. You know, yeah. That's how these, these trees are made and all that stuff. A prefab is just yeah, preset up thing. So really neat, powerful thing. Um, behavior script. We went over that. Uh, sprites and sprite sheets. That's an interesting, uh, interesting creature. There's. Um, we look at. Uh, let's see. Let's pick this character, and then it has a given sprite of of thief. And if I double click on thief, uh, oh well, this actually. This launches a sprite sheet just in an uh, external file viewer, right? Okay. <clears throat> so this is the character. So this is the file of characters one animation sheet, right? So just drag this in, and then you can configure on. Uh, so by using sprite sheets when you're doing a two D game and and whatnot, you can you can improve the performance. So this gets loaded into memory once, but then it's only displaying little particular sections of it. For each each character in frame, I see. So then, if I want, I can click this and I get a little selector. So I can change this this the main character to a different sprite because this sprite sheet was imported, and then um, the uh, let's see what's that tool here. So if I go to the um, boop doop. Sprite 2D, Sprite Editor. If I click on the Sprite Editor, oops, it launches in the other window. So if I, um, so notice how the, oops, I want to make this bigger. There we go. So there is a, so if I hit that, is it going to let me, whoops. Scroll up. Okay, there we go. So now we see these are each sprites within the sprite sheet, <clears throat> and you can you can have it slice automatically. If this is you know you created this in whatever tool like Clip Studio Paint, whatever. This mm-hmm. is just a PNG with a with a um, uh, transparent background, and uh, whatever tool you use, or if you use something like uh, like I've been playing with this animation app called Creature Creature Pro, and um, that lets you export a sprite sheet because it's sort of like, well, here you go. You, you compose all these animations. I can export a sprite sheet for you. And then you need to go into unity to then, you know, uh, have it be recognized as these separate frames and whether it's used for animation or not, or if it's just like static stuff, that's fine. You're still going to be, you know, saving memory. If you're reusing anything, any image info, you're it's, it's a good, it's a good idea to put it in a sprite sheet. That's cool. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. this I do remember from the workshop that I led because the the kids designed their character and then they actually had to draw um, walking walking sprite, jumping sprite, and whatever action they performed, like some mm. kind of like shooting a fireball, whatever. Um, and then they they actually scanned them there on the spot and then imported them in as a sprite sheet into Unity, and the kids were pl- m- m- making their drawings interact with digital environments, uh, which was really fun to watch. That's pretty awesome. It's a great idea for a workshop. Yeah, I'd like to do it again. <laughs> that, would, that would be a fun one to do again. Um, okay, so are we yeah. at a point, are we heading towards final thought time? I, I think so. I think we've, we've done a lot of exploring, and I don't know if the fresh perspective came across or if it was more like, you know, the... <laughs> the begrudging acceptance perspective but it's a really powerful tool and i just wanted to you know share some impressions that that like stuff that you're familiar with from from different game engine things i mean it's here and then some it's 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 pretty wild it looks very approachable to me um if i had an idea for a game i would not be nervous about getting started with something like this so um it made a good impression on me rob uh okay well um there you go. And I, we're not, I mean, what's funny, we're not sponsored by Unity, whatever. And, and just, I, I've come to, th- like, I've landed on, this is where I'm going to make games for now. <laughs> You're so agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> there's, always, there's always like this, this arched eyebrow of skepticism about whatever tool you use. But I think that's an awesome thing to model for the leaners as well, is that, yeah, uh, you know, no tool is perfect. You know, Clip Studio Paint just rolled out an update uh, where you can now finally skew text and like uh, turn text at an angle uh, while it's while it's still editable text. Whereas before you had to rasterize it and then you could manipulate it a little bit more. But um, and like that, like great step in the right direction. You know, but it also kind of broke the way you use the balloon. Uh, the uh, what is it called? The object tool with the balloon. So now you have to like, cl- if you're mm. manipulating the text, you have to click off the layer, then then click on the balloon in order to, to edit the balloon because the balloon and the text are on the same layer. Um, mm. and, but and, and they still don't have CMYK support, right? It's like, so it's like, yeah, it's it's awesome up to a point, right? So even mm. when they solve a lot of problems, no no tool is the the one ring, right? Um, so anyway, I think skepticism skepticism is healthy. Well, and pragmatically, um, like it's it's really powerful, right? So, so rolling with its quirks is. I mean, you're going to be rolling with quirks for every single platform you end up choosing. So this, I, I just I, I find it, the quirks of Unity acceptable, and you know, that's just one person's opinion, and it's, uh, yeah, it's ridiculously powerful. Okay, well, we will uh, conclude with final thought in a couple minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about the asset store a little bit, um, but before we do that, we got to thank some other people who make this show po- the possible. And those people happen to be us. We make this show possible. Uh, we make stuff, and then in the making of the stuff, we come against come up uh, upon these topics that we bring to the show week after week. And the thing that I made recently that I hope you will check out is Boulder and Fleet Mining for Trouble. It is a ni- 92-page graphic novel that is now available on, on IndiePlanet.com. You can get to it very easily by just going to boulderandfleet.com slash books, and that will actually take 
you to my Indie Planet storefront, basically the the books that I have for sale on Indie Planet. And it's about a bear and a bird who are best friends, and they go on adventures together. Fleet the bird wants to be the most famous adventurer of all time, and she concludes that the way to do that is by defeating enemies. And Boulder uh, likes going on adventures to help people, and he would rather make friends of people than make enemies of people. So there's a little bit of a tension between the two characters. It's comedic tension. It's got... uh, uh, Brandon Dayton once described my writing style as I'm I, I'm especially good at capturing character voice, and I think this book is a good example of that because they in this story they come upon these mineral gals who uh, are a team of villains who have taken over a mine because mineral people eat precious metals, and the the villain team in this story I sort of concocted the idea of like what if a group of sixth grade girls decided to become supervillains, what would happen? And that's the dynamic between the four characters. So it's a funny book. It's for kids. It's for grownups. And it's at boldenfleet.com slash books. Rob, what are, you, what, are you, what are we looking at on your screen, Rob? Oh, this is a game I made called uh, Guitar Fretter. And I thought it'd be worth mentioning since... Uh, so Guitar Fretter recently had its ninth anniversary, ninth birthday, what have you. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Holy cow. Thanks. Um, thank you. It's, uh, let's see, you can see right now it says version 1.6. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is a, this is a game I made to make it uh, just a playful experience to learn the note positions on a guitar fretboard. And it works for, like, bass or guitar. Um, but really, if you think about it, any any stringed fretted instrument, because that has four, five, six, or seven strings, because you can actually do um, some... So you can you can turn on uh, custom tuning, hmm. and uh, go ahead and uh, make adjustments to any string, right? So I can turn that on or off. I can play on easy, normal, or hard. There's so there's all these flexible different modes. There's a just a guitar chart mode, right? So if you just want to play uh, play with a guitar and see the note positions, right? And uh, I should totally pipe the audio in, but like, yeah, this is just, it's making guitar sounds and, and um, you just get to see a chart there. Right. So the, um, but the main, the main thing of this is, 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 well, it's the, it's the game. Right. So you hear, you have, um, it's a combination of like, uh, oh, I've called it like Galaga or space invaders meets um, like memory match kind of thing and it's uh it just helps where like i made this to help me with this 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 basic activity of like really starting to associate where um where the different note positions are right so yeah you can memorize in school ead gbe for this uh, typical six string guitar right um but you know what there is more to it and you'll pick up on these patterns. That's what, that's what happened to me after a while for, you know, honestly making the game. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, even though I played guitar for years, it just, this was, it's, it's been helpful for me. And I know it's been used by guitar instructors and teachers throughout the world. And, um, it's, again, it's been around nine years. It's, you know, I do plan on, you know, updating, involving, making a sequel, but because of the ninth birthday, it's, uh, I, I decided to um, set it uh, set the price to be free for like seven days, and so there's oh, a few wow. more things. 
few more days left for that and whatever platform. So that's on Android and iOS and Mac and, um, and Windows. So yeah, Guitar Fred is free right now. And uh, if you've got it on one platform, get it on another one or whatever, or just get them all, collect them all right now. It's free. Um, Guitarfredder.com. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Wow, congratulations on the anniversary. And yeah, everybody who's listening to this, uh, if what, what's the date today? That It is the 25th of July, 2019. I think so, like Monday or so, the sales will be automatically done. So this is why it pays to tune into the show live or download it day of. Um, so, okay, great. So guitarfitter.com. If you are here because you like the way we think about stuff more than the stuff we make. That's fair enough. The show is the thing we make too and it's based on the way we think about things. And there's more stuff like it at leanatoart.com slash workshops where you can download self-contained videos at a price of your choosing even free. You don't have to pay anything if you don't want to. Um, if you're watching the video on YouTube right now, giving it a thumbs up helps more people find the show. If you listen to it in a podcatcher, giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to the show that helps more people find the show. So the more people who show up and can participate with the show uh, means that there's more people for you to interact with and it also means there's more opportunities for us to uh, make the show sustainable with you know through things like patreon and in other workshop sales so uh, we thank everybody who has been doing all those things it means a lot to us okay final thought time rob okay quick thoughts the unity asset store is uh, a really interesting resource they they found a way to um like one of the paths for you know being viable and making games and being a little a game dev company is you can make stuff for other people to make games and so that's a they made a marketplace right so we just in the um in the in the sort of advertisement break we mentioned other marketplaces places where you go publish things and people can buy them and whatever and here unity did this and they baked it right in so like there's the and the asset store is one of the tabs in the UI um, you can customize your layout and stuff. You don't have to have it there, but it's it's pretty handy. So when you are exploring the the asset store, um, you know you're looking for solutions to different problems. Like let's say I, I'm curious about particles, and um, oops, part so particles are this this sort of um, special effect, right? There's uh, you, you've you've encountered it in all sorts of things that um, you know. Like lightning could be dealt with as particles, little glowing lights, or um, stars in the sky, uh, water drops, rain, all sorts of things where there's a lot of lot of objects working kind of together as a system. Think of that as particles, explosions, stuff like that. And uh, so here you go. I just I search for particles. There's a whole bunch of different uh, interesting options. I can. It, it this this is a great resource. Um, I have to. The, the the kind of scope and variety of different assets out there, it varies a ton as far as the, the style of the, who created it and the experience of using it. But it's, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great tool. Like I have in my assets, different sort of like big boosts and uh, helpers that will, um, that, that I've saved to, um, you know, try to learn from and more quickly make make things. Uh, things like those free. The oh yeah, they, so like we were looking at Creator Kit RPG specifically. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the episode we were taking a look at that one. Um, Creator Kit Puzzle, Creator Kit RPG, and Creator Kit uh, FPS, all free. 
made by Unity, pretty amazing patterns to follow there. And um, anyway, yeah, you can you can see a few others that I that I've saved to my list. It's kind of a um, there's almost I mean think about like uh, Club Studio Paint has its sort of um, uh, what, what do they call that? Where your materials? Yeah, the, the materials folder. It's very similar. You can create like a whole bank of assets that you can just reuse, and you can you can add to that asset bank like the way you can in Unity by making your own objects, or you can. They have a marketplace where you can go and download free things or purchase things uh, to like make make the job easier. Yes, yeah, so you can actually get like Snowfall as a brush, right? <laughs> it's like here we go. Here's like I'm just gonna wipe it on the screen, and we got Snowfall now super powerful and so right so it's not like this amazing like totally never heard of a concept or whatever but like it's it's uh it's pretty useful and and i think the prices are, are overall reasonable depending on what you want to solve um, lots of stuff that's free but like I, I bought rewired for instance that it helped me add um there's another another game engine that i like there's a oh what, what's it called more mountains makes a couple of cool things the top down engine pretty interesting i need to update it one of the demos i wanted to share is that i is, is some stuff i was working on it using the top down engine which adds even more it gets you even closer to a completed game right mm -hmm. so again unity so many infinite possibilities different assets and things help you uh, assemble games without doing as much work right and uh there's still a ton of work to do but top down engine plus uh you know the rewired rewired uh is was helping me deal with input unity doesn't exactly uh uh so how it handles input is, is a little bit of a puzzle for me i think it probably your experience would be different if you're working on a pc you're working on a mac um it's kind of weird when you plug in your game controller and how stuff works so mm -hmm. something like rewired um abstracts that away and it lets you create, like, separate your control scheme. So, like, if someone switches between, you know, one type of controller and another one, or if they run it on Mac or Windows, or if they use keyboard and mouse and use a game game controller, I mean, it's uh, it, it solves a problem that that I, I think I would guess at some point Unity would would, would evolve to um, maybe make it a little, little easier. But um, yeah, input right. But I made a twin stick shooter thing that uh, with with that plus the um, um, more mountains uh, top down engine. Anyway, so yeah, food for thought. I've I, so I've got this whole like list of assets that I'm keeping an eye on that I might pick up when they're on sale. I got I got assets that I've already been playing with, and um, and then yeah, that's. I guess that's all I got for now on assets. It's a, it's a pretty amazing the asset store. No, that's cool. It, it, well, like you described, it it seems that this is a very mature and robust environment to work in um, with a a lot of a lot of affordances and a lot of ways to just set you to making your thing rather than having to build it from scratch. That's that's terrific. Um, and I think it's really cool that like a lot of different softwares are heading in that direction. Like I know that, you know, MetaBang does the same kind of thing with like an, uh, an asset management system and then like a marketplace in order to get more power-ups as, as it were. And uh, you know, Clip Studio Paint and so on. Um, that's awesome. Uh, 
Well, thanks, Rob. Thanks for this. Thanks for this walk around Unity. I I feel like it's not such a mysterious thing anymore. So, like I said, if if, if I felt <laughs> if I was going to uh, make a game, I, I wouldn't feel quite so nervous about it now. So, and yeah, I mean that that that's cool. It, it's it um it has it has some amazing strengths and approachability, especially when you combine it with learning a few basics plus the asset store. It's um at least a really powerful playground um that's that you can you can jump into for free so uh, it's it's a it's a good place um i i still am not going to throw it a parade but i i respect it it's amazing <laughs> all right well thanks again rob uh and thanks everybody for downloading listening and watching we record the show on thursdays uh looks like noon but you know we're still we're still playing with it because we got to try out some other different streaming softwares uh but you know you can follow us on twitter you're gonna hear some social media information in a minute and that will tell you where to follow us to get updated on when we're when when how we're doing the show um but we usually stream it live on youtube and then collect it as a podcast at patreon.com slash lean into art and lean into art.com we'll be back next week with another episode until then i have been jersey drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger, also of leanintoart.com and I'm on Instagram as Rob Stenzinger. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart and you can reach us via email at leanintoart.com at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.